Welcome to the My Yielded Life podcast hosted by me, Ray Marie Marsh, where I will be answering the question, what does it actually look like to yield to God? So this is not a right or wrong. This is just God in me. You've got to hear him. That just didn't sound right. As a Christian, you feel like you know, you're given those two options, you're supposed to take the ministry road. You've got to settle this. Do you trust him? And yeah. I felt like God was not listening to me. Not everyone will go this journey. There are some who will. But I had to do this. I needed to be who I am. You didn't find this podcast by coincidence. You are here for this. Let's figure it out as we go. This is My Yielded Life. Coming up next on My Yielded Life. I gathered my stuff as obviously as I could and I moved. And I went and found me another seat. And I was on the phone and I was saying some things in my head. And it was the wrong narrative because what I did, because I felt like she put me down, I'm then trying to puff myself up and I'm thinking, don't nobody want your purse. I don't need your money. And it got worse. And I was like, I have purses at home better than your purse. Now, think about it with me. I know, I know. that The real was going. And the Lord, and I'm preparing for this message all the while. And it's amazing how much stuff came at me that had to deal with diversity as I'm preparing for this message. Maybe it was just my awareness. But no, what if those things weren't true about me? What if I didn't have nice purses too? And what if I did need some money? Does that then allow me to be less or worse? I began building myself up on things that don't matter. I began to puff myself up because I felt put down. And I began to try to raise my level based on things that do not define me. For this episode of My Yielded Life, I'll be sharing with you all a clip from a sermon that I preached at my local church on August 18th, 2019. Um, It was before the craziness of 2020 and the issues of racism really being censored by everyone. Um, But the message is equally as relevant. Um, I have found it to be a timeless text from the scriptures that speaks to us no matter what season we're in. So I did remove the parts of the message that were specific to my church's congregation. But for the meat of what the Bible is saying, I want you guys to eat up. So when I do episodes like this, it's usually because I have not had time to create brand new content. So I'll always try to pull out something old but good for you all to chew on in the meantime. So I hope you enjoy um, this message entitled Diverse by Design. So I remember getting the email going through the preaching schedules. Then I saw my name and I saw diversity and there was a screeching hope for a moment, being honest. Because when I thought of diversity at first, my mind didn't necessarily go immediately to the scriptures that I'll be preaching. It first went to the climate we're living in and all of the things that are so divisive and all of the differences that are at the crux of political issues right now. And at first I was like, whoa, like this is kind of a beast. But then I went to the scriptures and it was so refreshing to see that through every age, 
God has spoken to us about diversity and it was refreshing that his word is very clear. While your social media news feed and CNN and Fox, they may be very chaotic, that there is clarity in the scriptures on all of our differences. So we read through the passage before, earlier, and we are gonna revisit it again. And so instead of trying to split and polarize our room, we're gonna divide God's word and apply it to our lives. So we read earlier Romans 12, three through 10. I'm gonna read it again in the NLT version. And then I'll pray. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Lord, here we are coming to the table of your word and we hold it up today as the highest authority there's so many voices, God, so many things to say about our differences, but Lord, we affirm that your word is truth. God, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we take this family moment, we sit around your word and we ask you to have an honest conversation with us, God, through this preaching time that we can walk away with more than we came with, Lord, with clarity that we didn't have, God, with healing that we need, God, and that we would be ready to walk forward, valuing our diversity, not taking it for granted, not letting things threaten it, God, but ready to uphold it as our value more and more, oh Lord. Hide me, God. Be heard, Lord. Hide me, Jesus. Have your way in this word, in Jesus' name, amen. So today's topic is diverse by design, exalting Christ through our differences. The scripture tells us a lot of truth about diversity. The church is going through a class called Confronting Christianity, and this is a quote from the book, Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. It says, Christianity is the most ethnically, culturally, socioeconomically, and racially diverse belief system in all of history. And that's based on the fact that it unites us across age, gender, race, culture, and country of origin. 
everyone is impacted by issues of diversity as well. Let that be clear. It's a universal issue. It's something that we are all touched by, whether we're aware of it or not. We all play a role in diversity. Nobody gets an out. You can't ignore diversity and make it go away. And you've got to know that your experiences impact others' experiences. Your presence is important because it impacts and it enriches all of our experience here and outside of here. A perfect example is if you've ever been in a situation where you're in a room and let's say everyone in the room is 15 years younger than you or 15 years older than you, that impacts your experience. And you being there enriches the experience of everyone else that's not like you. If we go back to the beginning, a lot of times as things are happening in society that are troubling, you need to go back to where things started to kind of get an answer as to what the Lord may will and what he may be doing because our differences are not coincidental. They come from God. Colossians 1 and 16 reads this, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things are held together. See, he could have made us all the same. Have you ever thought about that? Like God really has the power to make us all identical. He could have picked one quote unquote perfect race, perfect person, perfect age, it made us all be formed that way, and here we are, a bunch of robots. But he didn't do that. He did the opposite. No two people ever are alike. Everybody look at your thumbprint. I'm sorry, I'm an object lessons preacher. Your thumbprint has a design on there. And in all the people who've ever lived on this earth, nobody else has had it ever, nor will they ever. Our diversity and our differences come from God by design, on purpose. And it's funny, because I was preparing for the message and I always talk to Joey as I'm thinking through different things. And I was thinking, did God make anything like kind of the same? I was like, what about the ants? And I was like, yeah, every ant kind of looks alike. And <laughs> Joey's like, well, there's red ants. There's black ants and there's big fat ants and little tiny ants. And I was like, he was like, yeah, you just don't notice their differences. Does that sometimes happen with us? Our diversity runs deep. Think of the species of animals and it's not just in mankind. Think of plant life. Think of the different geographical areas of the, the earth. Our diversity runs deep, it's vast. And so we've got to know that because of where our diversity has come from, that it was not given to us to be negative. Our diversity was not given to us. God knew what he was doing. We know things have been tainted and sin has taken grip on diversity at times, but it wasn't given to us to be negative or divisive. So as Christ's children, we've got to know this. We cannot take a side just to be taken aside. As emotions are getting stirred over so many things, and it just feels like the theme is kind of coming back to our differences when you see the culture, we cannot just be Christians in the pot getting stirred. And you don't always have to pick a side. You need to identify with Christ, knowing that our diversity came from him, 
we need to give it back to him. Amen? So he didn't make us less than or greater than. Yet somehow, in our fallenness, we look at things, we look at groups, we look at characteristics as better than others when in Christ and God's design, was that, that was not the case at all. But if we're honest, we're all imperfect in this area. As much as we don't want to be, as much as in our own efforts, in our own consciousness and awareness, we try to view everything the same, we have to acknowledge family. This is a family moment. Can we have a family moment? We have to acknowledge that just like in every area, we all fall short here. Amen. We all fall short, fall short with this. And we've got to know, and it, it happens at the youngest age. Um, Ramaya, when I had Ramaya, my first child, they put her in my arms and she wiggled open her eyes and they were blue at birth. And I'm smiling, my first time being a mom, I'm looking like, whoa. And so when we're in public with Ramaya and everyone else in our family and our household has dark brown eyes. So we're in public with Ramaya and people go out of their way, they'll stop us and they'll say, oh, you have pretty eyes. And Ramaya doesn't really even know what to say. She's just kind of like, thank you, like kind of irritated, like, okay, I'm tired of you guys telling me this. And one time she was like, mom, why am I the only one in our house that has this color eyes? And I just said, God gave them to you. He has a reason. And she said, well, the kids at school say my eyes are scary. <laughs> And it's funny, because this is, this is an error, too. I'm like, man, when I was a teenager, I bought colored contacts, your eye color, because I wanted to switch my eyes, because somehow I thought that was better. But do you see what I mean? We do it without even trying. And so even at the youngest age, kids will find something kind of neutral, eye color, and make one better than the other. They wanted to make it less than. People in public stop us, and they elevate her eyes, and, oh, look, look at the rest of the family, but your eyes are so pretty. We've got to be aware that we fall short somehow. And so this word is coming to each of us, everyone, to help us find the next direction so that we can grow in how we value diversity and how we use it as a tool to lift Christ. Amen. So the other beautiful thing about diversity is that it tells us about the nature of God. And in doing that, we have leverage to tell others about the nature of God through diversity, that God is not boxed in that he can't be limited by any ideal and that he can't even be predicted. I remember a couple years ago, we were recruiting for the middle school team um, and it was something new, not something Joey and I had had experience in. And I was convicted very strongly that as we recruited a middle school team, it needed to be diverse. It couldn't be my friends, my peers, the people that are most like-minded with me or even from my generation. And I remember praying, and I probably gave a lot of y'all a little recruitment slip saying, please come work in Next Gen, and that was all because God had impressed upon me. Go find different kinds of people. Why? So that our youth could see Christ in different lives, in people in different generations. But he gave me different people so they could look and see that even in a seasoned age, she's still following Christ. And even after going through college, he's still following Christ. And even though she's got a bunch of kids and a busy life, she's still following Christ. And wait, he's white and he's following Christ. And she's black and she's following Christ. I wanted them to see the gospel on many different lives. And God answered that. Our differences tell us about the nature of God. 
and allow us to tell others about the nature of God. That in creation, it declares his glory, the earth and all he made, that he's limitless. And again, our collective testimonies, him saving people at different ages, the fact that he saved me at 19, and the fact that my husband grew up in church and got saved and is still walking with Christ, all of that, those collective testimonies, the testimonies in this room from people from all different backgrounds speaks and exalts Christ. Our differences tell us that God is saving all people. It allows us to declare God's love for all people. And our diversity allows us to to declare his love for all people with evidence that he's saving all people. Amen. Our first identity, and y'all pray with me through this one. I feel like this one is hard and maybe it's not. Our first identity is in Christ. When we begin a new life in him, Jesus Christ, that's our primary allegiance. It's our primary identity. He is what we put on. Yeah, I know people see my skin color, my Afro, whatever it may be. People see my age. People may see what I have and think they understand my socioeconomic class. Yeah, I know that's what our perception is, but we need to know who we are, that our primary identity, no matter what, is Christ Jesus. Colossians, amen, Colossians 3 and 11 and 12 speaks to this. It says, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Why is is it important that Christ is our primary identity? Because Christ is eternal. All these things about our flesh, they won't last past this life, but Christ will last in us past this life. He will take us on from here to glory. No matter what else describes us, Christ defines us. Amen. No matter what else describes us or how others define us, Christ actually defines us. So when we're in doubt when it comes to diversity, the next time you're facing a situation where you're uncomfortable because of differences, find Christ, consult Christ. That is our starting point. In Christ, while we are all different, we are one. We're different, but we're one. Galatians 3, 27 and 28 says in the NLT, all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. So there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ. So the divides are brought down. The separation is brought down. Yes, we have our characteristics, but they are engulfed by Christ. God's truth gives all of us as God's children one simple primary identity. Another beautiful thing is that Jesus, before he was about to be taken and give down his life, 
give over his life to die for us. He prayed that we would be one. He prayed specifically, he said, I'm not just praying for you disciples who are like physically in front of me. I'm praying for everyone who believes in me because of this message. That's y'all. That's me. He prayed for us. John 17, 20 and 21. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, people in front of me, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That's amazing. Because why was he asking for oneness? He wasn't praying for oneness so that we could look powerful, like a powerful group of people, like an army, which we are. He wasn't praying for oneness just even for peace. But he's praying for oneness that people could be drawn to him. It's the same theme, pointing them back to him. So that when we come together here and we exercise forgiveness, then we're moving towards the oneness that Christ has asked for. When we come here to fellowship despite of our differences and we love each other through our mourning and through our rejoicing, we are walking out that oneness. And our diversity testifies even more powerfully than if we were all the same. Also, diversity is a tool for worship. In Revelation 5 and 9, there's a vision of what it will be like. And it says that they sang a new song with these words about Jesus, that you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So just like dancing, we have a dance ministry and dance is a tool to exalt Christ and to worship, just like dancing, just like singing, just like our service of time, just like our offering, diversity is a tool for worship. And it's a collective worship. You can't do it by yourself. You can only do it in the fellowship of the body. It can only be offered with your brothers and your sisters. So it's a tool for worship to lift up Christ just like every tool for worship God has given us. Have you ever seen it like that? It's important. Because while we can honor God through diversity, it's also possible to dishonor him through diversity. Just like music can be used to dishonor God, diversity, and we've seen it. We've seen it. Our history is plagued with it, that diversity can be used to dishonor God. This is another quote from Confronting Christianity. The Bible insists on the equal value and dignity of all humans. Repeat after me, I'm better than no one. And I'm less than no one. We are better than no one. And less than no one. What beliefs is that truth pressing up against in your lives? Who comes to mind when I say, I'm less than no one? Who are the people that have trickled into your thinking that somehow you feel like you're less than. Let's flip the script. When I say I'm better than no one, who are the people that somehow in a, a thread of a bias, we begin to somehow believe that we're better than? We are not perfect in this area. So somehow these things infiltrate our life and our thinking. 
Yeah, but they're older. They're old. I'm better than no one. Yeah, but they're wealthy, and I'm in poverty. I am less than no one. We're better than no one, and we are less than no one. We have to recognize, we are safer if we recognize that there is a temptation to think that we are better than or less than someone. We have to acknowledge that, otherwise it's got you. There is a temptation to think we're better than or less than anyone because of any type of characteristic. And then also we can dishonor him by trying to ignore the diversity or to say that we don't necessarily see how God made us different. That misses an opportunity to exalt him and can become an avenue where it's easy to dishonor him because you're ignoring the differences that he intentionally placed in life and mankind. So to deny the fact that those differences are there, and then even to deny that some of us have been really hurt by our differences. Some of us, based on nothing we could control, have been put down and belittled, and opportunities have been shut off because of these differences. As Christ's children, we have to acknowledge that. And we have to mourn together and then rejoice together when those walls are broken down and when those chains are broken off. So how do we exalt Christ through diversity then? Because that is why he gave it to us, that he'd be lifted up from this earth that he'd be lifted up in your schools, in your place of work, in your homes, in your neighborhoods, at the grocery store, that Christ Jesus would be lifted up, that all men, women, children, will be drawn to him. So how do we actually do this? And this is where I was refreshed because I love specific instructions. Like if God would speak to me through the pipeline all the time, I'd be a different person. But he has spoken to us through a pipeline on the issues of diversity from Romans 12. So there are three tasks that we need to focus on as a congregation from this passage. So go back and look at it after this. After this message, go back to Romans 12 and look at what you could do and should do as we take diversity as leverage for Christ, as we use it like a trampoline to lift him up. In Romans 12, verse 3, it says, don't think you are better than you actually are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. So I've traveled this past month more than I had in a while. I've been in airports and things I'm not used to. And so I was at the airport and if you haven't traveled in a while, all the seats in the waiting areas have like chargers in them. So I needed to charge my device. I find a seat to charge my device. And there was, so it was me on the end, two empty seats and a woman, happened to be a white woman, sitting next to me. So I sit down, I'm trying to get my bearings. I think I was on the phone. And as soon as I sat down, I see the lady kind of glance over and she had her purse in the chair that wasn't directly next to me, but next to her. And I saw her kind of switch her purse. Oh. And so 
I failed at this one. Let me start off by saying that. This is not a recommendation. So I was very offended. And I read into, read into her actions with a lot of assumptions. And so I gathered my stuff as obviously as I could, and I moved. And I went and found me another seat. And I was on the phone, and I was saying some things in my head. And it was the wrong narrative because what I did, because I felt like she put me down, I'm then trying to puff myself up and I'm thinking, don't nobody want your purse. I don't need your money. And it got worse. And I was like, I have purses at home better than your purse. <laughs> now, think about it with me. I know, I know. that The real was going. And the Lord, and I'm preparing for this message all the while. And it's amazing how much stuff came at me that had to deal with diversity as I'm preparing for this message. Maybe it was just my awareness. But no, what if those things weren't true about me? What if I didn't have nice purses too? And what if I did need some money? Does that then allow me to be less or worse? I began building myself up on things that don't matter. I began to puff myself up because I felt put down and I began to try to raise my level based on things that do not define me. I did the opposite of what verse three is saying because it's saying to be honest in our evaluation of ourselves, measuring ourselves by what? By the faith God has given us. We are to measure ourselves by a gift of grace. And the true measure is how much are you trusting in Christ, period. How much am I trusting in the one who saved me from my sin? See, our boast is not ever going to be in us. It's going to be in how much have we surrendered ourselves to the one who can change all things. The one who makes us who we are. Jesus who connected us with the one who created us and gave us an identity. That's the measure. How much are you trusting in Christ? What faith did he give you and what are you doing with it? Not my money. And yeah, people will put you down. And we see it. We see it in cultures where there is a sense of needing to have this pride about the color of our skin in response to being put down. And I understand advocacy and I understand social justice, but our primary identity again is now in Christ. And so I don't get a pass to begin misbehaving when I am put down. I don't get a pass. God is not excusing me. And I even got on the plane later and I was just thinking like, that's kind of funny that that happened. And then as a therapist, I always psychoanalyze myself. And I'm like, well, why did I think she put me down? Maybe if I was her, I would have moved my purse too, just because of comfort. Maybe it wasn't racism. Maybe she didn't think I was poor. I don't know. But I had the conversation. I said, what if God wanted me to connect with her? Because I, I could, would not have heard him say that. Blew that opportunity. What if she needed prayer and I am his child? What if he sat me next to her and had her get my attention so that he could use me? I'm gone. I'm all in another frivolous mindset. But the scripture says to not think better of ourselves than we really are, but be honest in our evaluation of ourselves, measuring ourselves by the faith God has given us. The second task for us, church, is to celebrate uniqueness. Celebrate uniqueness. Verse 4 of Romans 12 says that just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. 
We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And then in verses six through, I think eight, it goes through different gifts. And it basically says, however I made you, be you, be boldly you. The gifts that I've given you, walk in them, bloom in them. And yes, that passage is about our spiritual gifts, but there's a truth that also applies to our differences. Because the same way he gave us our gifts, he made us with certain characteristics. And this verse is saying to be you. Bloom where you are. Don't move, don't apologize, but be authentically you in your uniqueness and celebrate others as they do the same. Be good at being you. Observe how God made you and walk in it. And then Romans 15 and 17 says to accept one another. Accept one another then. Just as Christ accepted you, again, why? In order to bring praise to God. Accept one another. So I worked for the school system. And before I had Josiah, I worked at a predominantly white school in our area. And... The first couple years I was there, I was there for seven years, but the first a couple of years I was there, I noticed that in the winter time, um, most of the students did not own a coat, or I never saw them wear a coat. They wore a hoodie, a sweatshirt. And then all the boys, they wore basketball shorts. Like even on the almost snowy days when it was really, really cold. And I remember at first I was kind of taken aback, like, man, aren't they cold? And I was thinking, no, I wouldn't do that. Like, I, I couldn't not wear a coat in the winter because that's how I was raised. That's part of my culture, right? You cover up whether it rains or it's cold. And at first I was kind of taken aback, but then I was able to find a way to celebrate it. I was like, okay, well, those parents, at least they don't have to purchase, like, a winter wardrobe. And then I looked at the boys <laughs> as they would be in the school. I'm like, they look so comfortable. Like, they would also wear the flip-flops, not the ones that go between the toe, but the ones that go over the foot. They would wear those with socks. I'm like, they look so comfortable and so free. And I begin to celebrate it. <laughs> That's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to look at things that are different from us that at first are a little off-putting and maybe a little strange, but find a way to celebrate it. We have to celebrate uniqueness. Maybe we're not going to mimic it, but we're going to allow the uniqueness to be found as beautiful and to give God glory through it. We're not going to allow differences to be scary or so uncomfortable that we're not willing to exercise Christ's call because of them. Third task is to love authentically. This comes from Romans 12 and 9. It says, don't just pretend to love others really love them. And that's in the NLT. It says to hate what is wrong, not hate people who are doing wrong, not hate people that are necessarily in different lifestyles, but the sin that is wrong, hate that, not a person. Hold tightly to what is good and love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other, which goes back to celebrating uniqueness. Find a fun way to celebrate differences. But also, love genuinely, love authentically. Bridge of Hope is a great place to practice that. 
because every Sunday and Wednesday and in our fellowship, we have opportunities to re relate to many different people that are nothing like us. But if you don't intentionally do it, it's not just going to happen. We'll just come here and sit together. We've got to leave our comfort zone to love outside of our bubble. And again, if you don't plan it and think about it, it does not just organically happen because we're together. God has done a great thing among us. But in order for the next level to come, we have got to make a choice. We've got to make a choice that counters our culture. We cannot be the social media news feed that splits groups of people and polarizes us against each other. We cannot be that, guys. Our world is crushed and dying. And we are the light of the world because of Christ. We've got to be the light. And it takes a choice. Yes, we know his Holy Spirit does a work in us, but it doesn't take care of everything. We've got to make a choice to allow the Spirit to work. And again, we are diverse by design, but we must point to Christ. We've got to use it for positive and not negative. We've got to use it for unity and not division. And we've got to recognize that the purpose of it all is to lift Jesus up. It's got to remind us that God's hand is not short, that it cannot save. That it can save from tribal cultures. It's not limited to commercialized Western culture. We've got to acknowledge that we fall short because if we don't acknowledge that, we're not going to do anything. We've got to acknowledge that there are people who need healing because of what they've experienced because of their differences. We've got to acknowledge that some of our anger when it comes to diversity is really pain. We've got to ask the Lord to change the trajectory of where you see the rest of the culture and for him to do it through us. I said for him to do it through us, we must ask him. And wherever you stand on the spectrum of dealing with diversity, Grace is saying from wherever you are, get up and do what my word has instructed. We're all the same. We all have a step to take next. So I'm going to leave us with this scripture from Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. And again, this is a vision John saw about what Christ's body was doing and what it looked like in heaven. This is our future. Revelation 7 and 9 says, After this, I looked, and there before me, was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb.
In closing, I want to let you know I appreciate you for listening to this episode and I welcome your questions, feedback, disagreements, whatever it may be. You can email me at ray at myyieldedlife.com. You can also connect with me in between episodes by following me on Instagram or Facebook under My Yielded Life. So until we connect again, take care.